Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me as always to discuss all things women's cycling related is my dear friend Sarah. How are you Sarah? I am fine. How are you? <laughs> I am much better than I was last week unfortunately uh, dear listener. We were not able to record last week because I was dying of a cold. Um, no, 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 no. Sorry, you weren't dying of a cold. You got aeroplane disease. Well, whatever you want to call it. I mean, aeroplane disease. Whatever. Like I, I did actually call Sarah last week in preparation to the thing, and I was like, "I don't really like your podcast. I think I'm too sick." <laughs> she you sounded so bad, and then he had these great big grizzly bear sneezes. Yeah. And um, and then he just great. sounded awful, and then he like zone out of a sentence halfway through, which you know, I guess that's normal. So. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here today. So we didn't talk last week, but to be honest, there wasn't. We're in a really interesting downtime in well, women's cycling. Yeah, it's like it's what I like to think of as one of those sort of um, deep breath moments, you know, where there's like a. It's not quite a complete pause. We've had some things go on. Obviously, we're going to talk about the women's tour of California, um, you know, which was going on last week and and concluded this week. Um, but it, it's, it, it is kind of a quieter moment. You know, you go back three, four weeks and we, we had so much racing going on, we could barely talk about it all. Mm. I think it's also the races that we've had um, up the tour of California have also been the kind of smaller races, you know. So yeah. with that, the, so I, so there's a lot of the things, a lot of the big names are taking a break right now. So yep. as Yamit says, not out in the USA, for example, quite a lot of big names. Orica weren't out in the USA uh, for the tour of California. It's it's yeah. it's a really really interesting time. It's like they take a holiday, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think I think the the the, the this classic season has been getting steadily more and more packed and going on for longer and longer without a break than, you know, for the last, for the last couple of years. And, you know, we always talk about doping and cycling. And one of the things that I think encourages a state of doping is just being too exhausted to feel that you can carry on doing your job. Yeah. So having these break points and, and having a ride and especially in Olympic year, I know, blah, 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 Olympic year, it's, especially in Olympic year, it, it just makes me feel good to know that riders need a few weeks off the bike because, <laughs> you know, you know, it just makes me feel much more confident about, about it all. And, and it's well, not to say this, I feel. Yeah. I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it also just makes me feel enthusiastic because it it's, it's real. Like people are, people are, you know, planning their year and their season around these races. And, and so it builds that anticipation too. And you know that they're hitting, training peaks and and just getting ready you know it's it's kind of part of the build-up to the olympics itself yeah and build up to the giro too because we've yeah. got we've got a really fascinating month because may has been quiet um quieter quiet ish relatively quiet and then it's we what we're coming up to is the is a is we got like this 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 coming weekend has got some some big some races that are very important for teams so for example the um bowls rental hills classic um on the 27th is is very important it's like goes over the cowberg but it's important because it's it's the bowls rental you know bowls yeah. rental part of it is the important thing because they're one of the biggest sponsors We've also got the uh, we've also got for the Americans they've got the national championships this yep. weekend and yep. we'll be able to watch the national cha- the the USA national yeah, championships yeah yeah and remember the road race great job with that last year so you know we get good yeah. from that it'll be cool yeah but June is just busy so you kind of have this little mini American season so it goes USA national championships then Winston Salem which are in the same place then there's the Gatineau races um, in Canada uh, in Canada um, and the Philadelphia Classic. And the Philadelphia Classic is a fabulously fun race. But if you're interested in the kind of Euro side of things, what June has got, June is just super, super busy because we have the um, women's tour of, of the Viva Women's Tour from the 15th to the 19th. And at the same time, the Giro del Trentino, which, you know, again, you know, my feelings on loving um you know loving uh races. Then we've got the national championships weekend, then we've got the Giro Rosa. And then, well, there are some amazing races in July, the Bene, the, um, Bene Ladies Tour, Turing and Runefart, um, and big name races like La Course and the Prudential Ride London. Then we kind of build up to August, which again, August is traditionally a quiet month, but we have the Olympic Games. Well. And, th- and then after the Olympics, we have that fantastic 
end of August, early September period, you know, where you've got your races like Plouet and the Bold Rental Ladies Tour. And then, you know, and then you've got, you know, lots of deco, lots of deco to deco, lots of deco tour. But then the, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm weirdly excited about what the World Championships in Qatar are going to be like because the Olympics is something for classics riders who have to be able to climb. The World Championships are about flat sprinting power riders who will be coming, who a lot of whom will be racing on the track at the Olympics. Yeah. So it's it's kind of so even though you know obviously massive human rights abuses, um, people like me would get arrested if we were in there. Um, <laughs> yay Qatar! Let's. <laughs> It's complicated, is what we're saying. It's complicated, but yeah. So, yeah, um, we've also had the Pan, Am- Pan American Championships, and they were in Venezuela. And, and as someone pointed out, the reason that the the massive little set, subset of Venezuelan races and the Pan Am champs were because um, the Americans are basically banned from flying there because of the government issues. Right. So that's why it's very small, but the um, pa- but it's interesting having the Pan Am Championships on at the same time as the Tour of California. Um, yeah. So basically, you had your American riders, your your, your USA riders, I should say, in Cali. But yeah, so Sarika Galuma Ortiz uh, won the ITT, and Iraida Garcia Ocasio won the road race um, in in. Um, in 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 venezuela and yeah that's a cuban right uh, uh garcia Ocasio is cubana and i can't remember where serica guluma comes from i think she's cubana too but let's make let's check uh oh that's terrible she's not at all she's colombian sorry okay. sorry 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 but yeah so california i mean what do you think about california oh look california for me is a is a difficult race because um, okay, so first of all, and mostly to get out of the way, I should point out that the official name of the race this year is oh, the God. Amgen Breakaway from Heart Disease Women's Race Empowered with SRAM. Um, yeah. No, no, and... is, does it not even have Tour of California in the title? No. I thought it was the Amgen Breakaway from Heart Disease Women's Tour of California Empowered by SRAM. Now, there's a hashtag. Um, oh, well, maybe it is, but I thought it was Women's Race Empowered. In, in any case, it's a completely unwieldy name, but... Um, thanks to the sponsors, I guess, you know, Amgen and SRAM and breaking away from heart disease. Isn't it not even empowered by SRAM? It's empowered with SRAM because that was the thing that was bothering yeah. me because yeah. it was grammatically incorrect, God damn it! I mean, you know, quite oh, apart from the fact that it's ridiculously yeah, wrong name. Look, look, that's the sort of thing that like yeah, months ago I'd have agreed with you on, but then I was reminded of horrific grammar crimes in the UK and I'm like, get off your high horse now. Like, fucking... Which grammar crimes? You live in a country that literally, literally fucking abbreviates the word Manchester with M apostrophe C-E-R. No, you know why that's it? MCR is the abbreviation because that's the airport code. No, 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 no. You're not hearing me. So you're telling me the airport code. I'm telling you what the road signs say. Fucking <laughs> grammar crimes. So you- can't even start with food like oh, oh. Dan. no and then and then you you guys say stupid shit like oh last time you were sat there like no no i did sit there i sat there not i were sat anywhere isn't it so fuck your grammar oh, no i'm just thinking of the time you were sat there yeah 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 now we've podcasted together we're going to just bicker worse than ever i think Oh, totally, totally. I'm just going to be remembering what it was like in real life. We prepped prepped for tonight's podcast by having a really awesome Twitter fight. It was reliving that shitty half beer you got me. <laughs> so here's a story. We were in a we. So I. So Dan had been very rude about English food, English beer. I and, had not. And I've English coffee before he got here. Before true. he got to untrue. Bristol. Untrue. And nothing so we went we to this. Uh, we went to this lovely bar, which is oh, the Arnold Fee, which is it's insane. it's a. It's an art gallery, but what people in Bristol really know it for is that when the sun comes out, everyone grabs a beer from the bar and sits out on the oh, bench yeah. and dangling their legs at the barber. Fucking tables outside. You know what that's called in Australia? <laughs> like pub, cafe, restaurant, bookshop, school, fucking so, whatever you want to call it, because you can do it anywhere. 
<laughs> so ah. Dan went to Dan went out to grab us a table, and while they were um, while they were pouring his beer, they got to the end of the barrel, so they had to change the barrel, and then they were put, they were kind of opening the new barrel. It just ended up with glass that was kind of completely full of foam. And I looked at the bar woman and said, "Yeah, I'm with an Australian. He's going to think that's what beer is anyway." And <laughs> she said, "Why don't you give it to him?" I was like, "Excellent idea." So I kind of tripped merrily out to Dan, who had his back to me. I put this big glass of foam bubbling over with foam in front of me here's your beer dan <laughs> like i'm not i'm this is going to sound hyperbolic but people in australia have been killed for less than that and, and i was like and he was like what the fuck is that what and the fuck is beer. that and, and then i put this real beer behind it on the table next to him and he was like and and so as i rightly pointed out on twitter like you know, I hadn't said anything bad about the food or the beer or the coffee, but it would be the fucking English who would think that they could fuck with a man's drink. Like, honest, honestly. And you wonder, you wonder why the rest of the UK wants to leave you. Like, like, really? And this is, and the, but the worst thing about this joke is that the joke is on me because Dan really genuinely thought that I'd think that was a point of beer. So I did. I, that is, like, that's <laughs> the worst part is that I'm looking at it and I'm going, the fuck is, and then I'm like, oh, now I'm going to have to take it back and explain she doesn't understand and this is not a real beer and fucking, oh, and having to try to be polite about it while I'm just going, what the fuck is this? What the fuck? it was hilarious and yeah, yeah um, that was just one of the many stories of dan and dan and me meeting in real life <laughs> and to be fair so... it's sarah's favorite because it was literally the only time she got the best of me so <laughs> so the amgen breakaway from heart <laughs> powered by shram yes. I, it was interesting because i heard i think in a way there's lots of good things about this race and i don't want to be completely negative but i do have a problem with this race because in it, it started off for years and years as the invitational time trial that ran alongside the uh men's race and it was always like a bit of a fix for usa riders to win and it was invitational and last year it got uci status even though it only had about 20 30 riders and I had been and part of the problem I think as well was that the Tour of California had got my hopes up because they were talking about live TV coverage and at least live some live coverage, yeah, yeah. live streaming. And they did have Tour Tracker and Tour Tracker was wonderful. Um thank you very much to our good friend Clara Beard from Coyote on Twitter, who is the person updating Tour Tracker on the women. Yeah, yeah. And she does a she does do a great job. But in you know, circumstances. As as you say, I mean, California's execution compared to their promises have at times been um wildly different, shall we say. For example, remember the year that um that they were pulling women off the course because men were riding a sportive through behind them or some shit? Yeah, on the on the on the on the ITT, yeah. yeah they they, yeah. Were, they couldn't be, yeah, and, and it's I mean and I guess, in a way, past the problem, there's a long debate. If you've been around women's cycling, you've probably at some stage had this debate about is the way to grow women's cycling through having women's races alongside men's races or through having standalone women's races and just promoting them more? And if you've listened to me, you probably know that I kind of have an annoying position on this, which is I think it's both. But I feel like into a lot of ways that the Tour of California is one of those races that shows that, well, it women's race the women's races can suffer from being alongside men's without necessarily having yeah the positive benefits of it and, and, and that's and the it's... thing like i i agree with you that it's both but for me the key difference maker there is the organization running it you know there are some organizations that are used to running multiple races um on the same day and and are geared up for that and are really really good at that and then there are organizations that uh have different skills you know and and are better at, <laughs> are better at you know just focusing on that one event and would be better served by creating a separate event that you know yeah. adjoins it or whatever or, or i mean i think part of the problem as well was like on the first day it's very it's very frustrating as well trying not to get caught up in the why can't we see this race why can't we see this race and for example the women's stage one it finished with a climb it was always going to come down to that climb and they finished the race literally two minutes before the men's streaming started. Yeah. And it had fixed, and it was the same finish for the men and women. There were fixed cameras on the climb. They already were having tour tracker. It wouldn't have been, it would have been, it wouldn't have been that expensive to turn on the finish line cameras early 
and show us the finish line climb and then maybe take five minutes off the men's men's race because you know in that context five minutes here and there is it doesn't make a difference to men's racing but it makes a huge difference to women's racing yeah and they had a moment in the last stage where they did flash from the men's race to the to the women's um to the women's race like the women's finish but the commentators weren't ready for it they hadn't been warned it was going to happen so they hadn't been following it they hadn't even looked anything up and i can't i mean it's easy to diss phil and paul isn't it but you can't diss them for something they weren't you know yeah yeah for for something that literally wasn't part of what they were doing you know. Yeah, and this is, you know, we talked about this with Strade Bianchi where the, the Eurosport commentators weren't ready for it either. And so it's like you end up in this scenario where actually you could, if you know it's going to happen, you can ask someone like me to like send them a, you know, for a small yeah, fee. Yeah, send them Yeah, you send them, you know, I can, I, I can do a cheat sheet live in the moment. You know, I can do yeah. a four points about what the race is so far, four points about who's up the road because that's just that. Yep. that especially in something like Strade where it's actually Although I, I feel it's important at this point to say that while Sarah can do that, if you're going to ask for an as-live service, the small fee becomes a much larger fee. So <laughs> just... Yeah, just, I'll, I'll refer you. I can do it. I'll refer you to my manager. Yeah. Just, so, yeah. It's for your own protection, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, and, and I think the other problem that you have is you end up with courses where, and the Olympics is going to be like this and the world is often like this, where because they've designed the men's course, so it's going to get from A to B and it's going to go over these climbs and it's going to go down the Pacific Coast Highway and it's going to do this and it's going to do that, that the the women only managed to get over the hill, for example, once. And we had this in the London Olympics where the women went over the hill some like four times and the men went over it something like nine times or something. And that's because the women's races are so, so much shorter than the men's. And so it's kind of like, and it's, and it's a kind of difficult thing. And I always think that in these scenarios, maybe the better thing to do is to plan it around the women's race and then throw in the extra lap for the men. Because you end up with a course that's not really that, I'm sorry, that interesting that or it feels not really that interesting when you look at it on tv and you look at how the race plays out and you know i mean it's interesting as well because obviously when a race has never happened before and people aren't used to riding something you you know it's only boring after the you know hindsight hindsight's 50 50 well it is and also by by default the first edition of a course or race you get a much more conservative race anyway because everyone's feeling it out they're working out you know, and and yeah, um, and especially when the first stage was at altitude, for example, and there's riders, and and actually, you know, there's a lot of teams and riders who they're not, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah. Anyway, so we had stage one, a lot of stage things going one, on, yeah, yeah. Stage one was um, the same. I mean, we did have a race last year, but last year it wasn't, you know, it was it was basically small domestic teams. So they had a um, an early climb, and this is the trouble. The thing is that like you it's quite hard to tell what the courses are like without seeing it as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Because well, it, it, cause you don't get to see moment to moment, the bit that puts riders into, into trouble or, or, you know, where the attacks came that didn't stick versus the attack that did or whatever else. You yeah. Know. And it looked, I mean, the photos looked beautiful, mm. like going around, like the two courses that were incredible. I just wish I was watching was the Lake Tahoe course on stage one. And then stage three, when they were going on the Pacific coast highway, yeah. I mean, yeah oh and, why and am i is, reading about it yeah exactly that is one thing that you absolutely can't take away from california it's fucking picturesque like it, it was beautiful beautiful countryside yeah. uh, and it's i guess i guess our, our classic glass half full thing you know is that you you hope that the lessons from this year are, are taken on board and learnt, and that we get a slightly better edition next year and slightly better coverage and we we keep getting better but yeah so stage one, because it was finishing with a, uh, <laughs> I love them, the American names. They're almost as good Australian names. They finished at the Heavenly Mountain Resort. Really? You're putting Heavenly Mountain Resort up against fucking Mount Warning? Mount Danger. Is, oh, is it Mount Warning? I always thought it was Mount Danger to Point Warning. 
No, no, it's Danger Point, isn't it? Oh fuck! Now I don't. I don't no, Australia wins, man. I'm never. I'm no, let's so not. We're not arguing about this. But right. yeah. Anyway, so stage one, they and and there was a. I think Sarah's story was out for a really really long breakaway by herself, and that's exactly what happened last year. But it was like one of those things where you're sitting there going, yeah, they're chasing her back, but they're kind of making sure they don't catch her too soon, because they know that tons and tons of attacks will go off as soon as she's you know as soon as yeah. she's caught. So, and then when they get, oh look, she's caught with a couple of to go and then we'll get to the final climb and um it ended up being won by megan guarnier of bowls dolmans uh, with a little bit of a little bit of a storybook finish to be honest because i mean megan yeah. megan's there in the you know american yeah. jersey national champion winning the first stage um yeah. pretty honestly very fucking cool and we actually talked about this last time about how it is cool to see um you know local riders win these races and um yeah yeah. and especially megan especially megan because she spent sorry i've got a really bad habit of calling riders by their first name i'm going to try and stop it because i'm doing some proper tv comms next month and i've got to (laughs) i've got to change i've got to change (laughs) it your personal friends (laughs) i think it's i think it's because you know when you when you feel like you know someone and you feel like and you follow them and you identify with them and so they're all to me they're all megan and emma i I understand you've been calling me dan for a long time now (laughs) and what should I call you instead? I just didn't feel like it was appropriate to bring up, but can you just call me Mr. Wright from now on? (laughs) 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 At least least when you're mentioning my dating profile. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone wants to date Mr. Wright, I've met you now. I I could write an even better dating profile. No, no, no. I would rather cut off both my arms and legs than let you write a dating profile for me. Still in which sure. case, in which case, you would have to refer to me as Stumpy. Stumpy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, stage one, Megan Guarnier won it. Um, Emma Johansson four seconds behind her, and then three riders together: Kristen Armstrong, Evelyn Stevens, and Mariana Voss. Um, coming in third, fourth, or fifth, ten seconds behind, with um, Armstrong going third in GC because of uh, I don't know why I'm guessing intermediate placings, but very, very, very interesting because of course the background is Guarnier is the only rider who American rider who's got a guaranteed place at Rio. Armstrong definitely wants it. Stevens oh. definitely wants it. And that was like a really interesting race within a race all the way through this. Mariana Voss coming in in fifth. Of course, she's got her spot in her Dutch Olympic squad. They're pretty much the only Olympic squad to have called. And yeah, but Voss being back. And that's always going to excite me is is Voss coming back because she's Voss. Voss, 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 Voss. <laughs> um, stage two was a TTT, 20 kilometers and it was an interesting TTT because they weren't riding TTT equipment. They were riding road bikes because the race had said, you know, all on road bikes. And that caused a little bit of controversy with some American fans because the, it, it's, there were some people who felt it was terribly unfair that you want that they were saying that, that you know, that, that, yeah, that US uh, teams that go to Europe have to take, you know, TT equipment and, and stuff like that. Um, so why shouldn't the Euro teams have to bring it? But I actually saw it more the other way in the sense that, you know, this race does give opportunity to American teams who may not be as well funded either and may not be yeah. able to afford, you know, the high end TT equipment. So it actually levels the playing field a bit for them. Uh, yeah. you know, while, yeah. while happily at the same time, reducing the overheads for European teams coming to the, the tour of California, thereby making it easier for them to come. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think the difference is is that when you're when when and this is, I'm sorry, North American fans who disagree with me, but when North American teams go to Europe or Australian teams go to Europe, they're there to they're they're already on a back foot in terms of they're not as used to riding there. They they they're there they're there for different reasons. You know what I mean? Because if if you're in a if you're in a domestic team. Uh, a British domestic team, a, an, an Australian t- domestic team, an American domestic team, you're you you you. You need as much advantage as you can get, but you're also not there to ride, you know, you're not there to just ride one race. And, yeah. and effectively, a lot of the, um, this would be the only race that teams would even need a TTT bike for, TTT bike and a TT bike for. And they, frankly, have to do a lot more than a European race to attract 
customers to attract riders you know if orica's not there if live planter you know live live planter's not there orica's not there all kinds of major major teams aren't in this race and that's because it costs a, a ton of money and they can do other things at the same time so yeah, yeah. It, it is it, it isn't a you know it isn't a Europe. so the field for this world tour race isn't as big as the field for other world services yeah yeah exactly and and the thing is you know look i guess like i was saying earlier too i mean this is the state of the race right now this year in 2016 you know in three more years um with with continued commitment and good progression you know the the tour of california can can be as significant a race as um, Vagorda or Philly or or you know any number of other races and therefore its team time trial can be a a destination and part of that event if that's the way they choose to grow the race but you know as it is right now one of the goals of of the race and and part of its growth is to to make both of those things much more achievable and I have no real issue with it particularly because um the the to me, what would have been really unfair or, or really um, uh, unfortunate would have been mixed equipment, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, yes, yes. I mean, that because you don't want a situation where um, Bob's Dolmans, for example, or Canyon Shram yeah. are going, are, are just destroying the tiny teams like Drops and Podium Ambition and DNA Dallas and, and you know, and those, and those, you know, Hagen's Berman's, of Colavita Bianchi because you just because because you know it, they yeah you're right it's 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 if they're going to be all out there there was something nice about them being able to compete on an equal footing yeah there. yeah and the results were fascinating well and this is and actually I think that's probably for me one of the most interesting parts of the whole thing is I it's hard to say you know it's bike racing it's hard to say anything for a certainty but I certainly think um the splits between one and two you would have a very hard time convincing me that they wouldn't have been different if we if we had mixed equipment in the teams or, yeah, or different yeah, yeah. parts of TT equipment or whatever. Like, I don't think we would have had what turned out to be one of the most interesting TTT stages um, as as we did if it hadn't been done this way. So. Yeah. And the background is that team time trials have been for first of all when you know team time trials in this modern team era, they used to be dominated by Cervelo Test Team back in the day. It was Cervelo Test Team, then HTC High Road Second, when Cervelo and Cervelo were all dominant. Then Cervelo got bought by Garmin, they lost they'd lost their focus, they lost a load of riders, blah, blah, blah. Um, and HTC High Road started dominating TTTs, and that happened through HTC's iteration as as um specialized Lululemon, um, Velocio SRAM. Now Canyon SRAM isn't technically the same team, but it's got most of the same riders and it's got the same DS, the same staff. So it, it's yeah, it, it's got a lot of the same DNA. Yeah. Now on the other hand, you've had teams like Bowles Dolmans and Ravo Live um, uh, being coming up, coming up really hard behind them. And actually, at the Energy Walk to the first TTT of the season, um, proper TTT of the season, sorry, other races, uh, it was won by Bowles Dolmans over over Canyon over Canyon Shram. So yeah. there's that going on. But you've also got the fact that the American teams really, really want TTT glory too. They just they just want it and they want it at yeah, home. Well, I mean, it's, and they've got advantages here. Exactly. It's a home race and there's lots going on and you know, there's there's heaps of things for them to um show off for their home sponsors and you know obviously home crowds have got the advantages of all of that and and so of course they're going to. Yeah, so um, so Canyon Stram came in, they put down the fastest time and really, really interestingly started being beaten. And they were first beaten by Rabo Live, but the you know, which, you know, that's 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 an understanding thing, and United Health Healthcare. And with Bowles Dolmans going off last, but the interesting thing is Bowles Dolmans didn't win. Which is like just amazing given who's there. Um and and yeah, I, I, I honestly, I struggle to explain it. I, I actually can't, to be honest. I, but do you I, think it's do you think it's something that needs explanation? Because I feel like it's. Um, yeah, I well, actually, like... that's a good point too. It doesn't. It doesn't specifically need explanation. And I mean, I guess if I had to stretch for one, you know, I could, I could, 
you know try and find one in terms of maybe trying to to save um some energy for for the gc competition over the course of the whole race or stuff like that but at the same no, i think i think i think the winner 2016 were just better on that yeah. course and on that day and and that's really where i land particularly i mean it was a like i don't want to take anything away it was a definitive win 2016 won by six seconds so you know like that's a solid win but it is it's a close enough margin that it's competitive um for bowls as well so i think yeah. that's part of what i liked about it is that it wasn't like you could point to it and go, oh, Bowles had some kind of equipment failure or, you know, the team had a weird accident or anything like that. It was, it's absolutely one of those things of, um, you know, like, like 2016 just rode their guts out and, and got there, which is really. Yeah. And they have been practicing. They really, 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 really wanted it. Like they, they just, they just wanted it. Um, yeah. They wanted to win here. They wanted to win hard. They wanted to put a marker down on the table for USA, right? For USA cycling, but they also wanted to um, put a marker down in terms of Kristen Armstrong's GC, and they've got a point to prove about Kristen Armstrong getting to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely, they do. So yeah, so and and you know they have a very strong team. They've got some really. It's just packed with time trial with time trial stars there. So yeah, so. 2016 won six seconds ahead of Bowles Dolmans, 25 seconds ahead of UHC, 34 seconds ahead of Bravo, and 36 seconds ahead of Kenya Shram. Do I think this means as anything for the TTT World Champs? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm sorry, but yeah, no. Um, yeah. I, I mean, look, the only thing that I realistically think this means for the World uh, TTT Champs is that Bowles, Bravo, and Canyon SRAM are all just going to train even fucking harder. <laughs> like, well, yeah, and, and isn't it fun? I mean, I love a TTT, and I'm and a lot of people are saying, oh, I don't like a TTT. I mean, I I understand people who say they don't like a TTT in the context of a stage race, and especially when a TTT was um twenty, it was twenty kilometers long. That's big gaps. There's big gaps there, isn't it? The, the, I, but, you know, I say the same thing about an ITT in a stage race. You know, we have this problem in women's cycling that when races are only four days long, should you have a TTT? Should you have a ITT? And this is why I think so many races have tiny little prologues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, which leads us into stage three, which is one that I think was... Um, I, I, it's hard to say, um, I guess... Uh, no, actually, it's not that hard to say. I think this was my favourite stage. Yeah, stage three. Um, yeah, so so basically, although um, 2016 had won the stage, uh, had won the TTT stage, Megan Guarnier of Bowles Olmans was still in the in the in the yellow jersey now stage three although it's a four stage race basically with this the final stage being a crit and i have issues about crits in stage races uh, actually um i feel like it so stage three was the only, last chance to get gc glory yes and it was fascinating it was an interesting course because it's um it was from santa rosa to santa rosa um and it was going uh it was going rolling twisting terrain and it had bits over the over the um great ocean the sorry pacific <laughs> that's australian isn't it <laughs> 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 the american version of the great australian road the pacific coast highway the PCH. Yeah, so... It's uh, it's one of the world's iconic roads, and and no, it it genuinely is, and it's no, it's... no, no. I know. As a motorbike, as a motorbicyclist, as a motorbicyclist, motorcyclist, um, <laughs> and 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 also um, a, a well-known driving road, and it is similar to the Great Ocean Road in Australia in the sense that they both have that same sort of reputation, and they are, as their names indicate, coastal roads. So you get these great overviews of bluffs, yeah. and cliffs, and... and this is the one. This is the one where I feel like it was let down by being part of the men's race because they started in Santa Rosa, they went out over the, they had the first climb at the Coleman Valley Road, and then they went along the Great Ocean. But oh no, sorry, they had the first climb at the Harrison Grade Road halfway around. Then they did the Great Ocean Road. Then they climbed up the Coleman valley road with the queen of the mountains back to santa rosa for three laps now i think the men did a couple more laps of that that great rolling loop around you know with a coast highway with a with a hill blah 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 so it wasn't the hardest race and and you know and i guess it's also that you know you're also dealing with distance from you know once you got to sat from santa rosa out to the ocean and back again there's not that much you can do 
So I was, it was going quite scripty in terms of lots and lots of attacks. Rabo Liv being very, very attacky, lots yeah. of attacks, lots of getaways. And then they ended up with a group of around eight riders out escaping and no Rabo Lives in a group of eight. Which is, well, very atypical, I think, is the best way to say it. Cause I can't remember when that's happened, when there's been like one of those it's groups like... that have gone... Yeah, it's like when when you watch like the the Wiggle High Five videos that we've talked about earlier this year, and there's like that one in particular where Egon, uh, the team manager, is going, you know, we we had nobody in the break, and he's he's quite, you know, he's doing it in a nice ish way, but he's quite clearly berating his team for like it's a fuck up. <laughs> Like, no, how, it was a, it was a there, fuck up. For how is there a, mean, a group up the road and we don't have someone in it? And it's the kind of thing that from Rabo, like like you just. I'm not used to seeing them make those kind of mistakes. No, Rabo don't make those kind of mistakes, especially from the early part of the race, like yeah. um, where it was Rabo, 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 Rabo attacking, and it, so it was. Yeah, it was. It was a really interesting thing because how how does this happen? Like on the first climb, for example, um, Lucinda Brand escaped and in in her descending glory you know and you're like yes this is how it works and then shara gillo escapes and so you've got this group of eight and it had two um had, and, and then out Abba, emma johansson i might have get to get it the wrong way around in the chronology evelyn stevens and megan guarnier uh alina alina amia lusik um eri yonanami the japanese rider riding for hagen's bourbon who had an amazing race a couple of others um and no rabos. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, yeah. this is spectacular. And the final climb, uh, uh, Mara just attacked, and she kind of attacked. I'm, I'm a little bit confused because chronology is different in all the different videos I've seen. So I apologise about that. But Mara attacked and got away solo. But the problem was between the climb, it was like there's a climb had bits of steep climb, then a descent, then a steep climb, then some stuff on top, and then And that's not. Amara Abbott's speciality. So it's like your sister going, yeah, Amara Abbott's escaped, and I'm pretty sure she'll be caught. Yeah. Well, which happened. Yeah, exactly. But I think the most interesting part about it for me was, um, like as you say, yeah, she's she's a climbing specialist. She's not a, a strong descender, um, and obviously we're finishing on on a couple of laps in town, um, so she needed to get some kind of ridiculous gap or something to make that work. But I think part of what made that interesting was having Emma Johansson, who's sitting third on GC, comfortably in the pack with the with the leaders. Um, Back behind. Yeah, Emma's, Emma, Johansson's Abbott's teammate. Yeah, yeah. So there was so a point it's where make it so that Johansson would punish anyone who who tried to pull Mara back too early because she's. Well, with... I was confused because it did seem like Johansson was was chasing, but I've no idea whether that's <laughs> how it was described. I mean, it would be quite a typical Johansson move, but um, because you know, if you know that Mark, if you'd know that Abbott didn't really have a chance, so you know, if other people were chasing, she was going to chase too. I can't imagine her doing any work for the chase because she was definitely. I can just imagine her sitting second wheel. Yeah, yeah. So um, Abbott was caught, and then she had this front group of eight, and then Abbott's dropped from the group, so it's down to about seven. And I really wanted to watch this because it sounded like Rubbo Liv were solidly on the front, like doing all the chasing back. But the really weird thing is that the group basically sat up on the run into Santa Rosa. Yeah, which I mean, I, I honestly I don't know, I don't understand. I, you know, and again, it's one of those like I wish I just could have seen the whole thing so I could try and figure that out. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe what was going on. I mean, two of the two of the group were um, Evelyn Stevens and oh, Kristen Armstrong's up there too. God, yes, that's important. So, two of the group you've got Evelyn Stevens and uh, Megan Guarnier. It's completely fine for them if they all get together and yeah. and win. It would be a problem if, for example, Kristen Armstrong and Evie Stevens had had gone off in a in a power, in a TT power attack. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't going to be working. Two out of seven aren't working. So I guess it only took like a couple of other riders to not work. I guess I can totally see Johansson saying, well, I'm not working. I've got sprinters behind me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Team orders, because that's the sort of thing she does just to fuck with people's heads. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Which is why I love her. Um, 
yeah, so they ended up, so they kind of come into Santa Rosa together and it's quite an interestingly cornery technical course. And at one point I was uh, did say that I was going to be looking out for, you know, the top crit or the top American sprinters, Corinne Rivera, but it just felt a bit like a Lucinda Brown, Mariana Voss type finish. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it got a little but, bit tricky too, because I think it was on the second last lap or maybe the last lap, there was a bit of an accident. Um back in the the main bunch um it wasn't a huge accident but um emily collins who i think is riding for tibco this year yeah. went down and broke her elbow uh, oh poor emily yeah and, uh, oh. and shara gillow went down and had to get her bike replaced um yeah. Yeah, yeah and there were various attacks during those laps i think chloe digert who's the two times june two-time current she's the itt and road oh, race yeah, junior road race champion, champion. Yeah. she had it she had a bit of a bash but it kind of came down to a sprint and it was won by mariana voss and ironically <laughs> enough well i don't know ironic's not really the right word but interestingly enough or surprisingly enough or however you want to categorize it like here we are in the the later part of may and this is voss's first world tour win I know. I mean, to be fair, she hasn't really ridden any most of it. Most of the other yeah. World Tour races. I think I, her first one was flesh. It is, it is just sort of a reminder it seems of un- how you would long never... she's been from the bike, you know? If someone had said this in 2014, we'd be like, what the hell's happened? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's... um. So yeah, so Voss Voss won, and I am so happy to see Voss back on top. I mean, she's had such a hard road um, with her injury and her her illnesses, and you know, and and it did look like she was never going to come back on top. And the thing that I was really happy about this win was, with it being the third stage of the stage race, her issue recently has been recovery about not recovering yeah. well, and yeah, I. So it's a good sign if she's winning a a third stage in a race that she is getting that, you know, getting a handle on how to manage her recovery and stuff. Yeah, so hurrah, hurrah for Voss. Um, I'm sorry, I'm I'm an unashamed Voss fangirl. Um, So yeah, so Voss, and and especially hurrah for Rabo, because having missed the break... And then having to work, work, work. And she and Voss was citing Shara Gillow is doing tons of work. You know, Shara uh, Gillow had been out in earlier attacks. And, you know, Voss had been doing, t- said that said that Gillow had been doing tons of work to get the chase. And they were basically chasing by themselves. Um, High tech weren't chasing because Kirsten Veeld was in a dropped group. Yep. So, you know, so they didn't have her there. So, yeah, so Mariana Voss first, Corinne Rivera second, Emma Johansson third, and doing, you know, picking up some points towards GC. Mm. But, um, yeah, it was it was all coming, you know, but basically, Megan Guarnier happy in the yellow jersey. Um, you know, the real thing you have to worry about in a crit stage is you don't have some massive pile up and get taken out in it. But, yeah, stage four, big crit. Stage four, the final stage. And yeah, um, 70 kilometer circuit race in the heart of Sacramento. Um, so, you know, um, right in the, the heartland of California, really. Um, state capital, yeah, did you know? It looked amazing. I mean, on the videos, it looked like fantastic crowds, fantastic, you know, good course, lovely people. I am always torn because I absolutely love a crit in terms of um, what it means to fans, what it means to spectators. It's a lot easier to put on a crit than it is to put on any other kind of race because you're very, very, very limited in what you, you know, what you're what you're doing. It's just, and but there are some people going, oh, they have to have a crit, they have to have a crit. And it's like, well, the men don't, so you know, why do the women? <laughs> but- all of that said, though, I will I will add this that um, for mine, America is a country that just does crits really well. Yeah, I think Australia like, does not better. Okay, well, you know, fine. I'd rather see if I had a choice of going to see crits, whether I was going to be flown out to um, the USA crits series or to flown out to see the Bay crits, the Mitchelton Bay Cycling Classic. I would, I would, I would pick. I would pick Bay Crits every time without a heart, even though I die of sunstroke and, and dehydration and Australia. Well, yeah, look, to be honest, you wouldn't, you wouldn't actually make it to the Crits, like leaving the airport to get to a cab or something, like bang, you'd be done. You're I'd a, be melted. You're a frail English rose. You would actually, <laughs> you would catch on fire. It, it just, it, it's like a vampire trying to walk in the sun. You just wouldn't be able to do it. It just... <laughs> So we're on a crit. It's six corners downtown around the California State Capitol Museum and Capitol Park. And it was a really, it's a pretty course. Americans do do brilliant crit courses. The thing that I find problematic though, Dan, is that I am always talking about how amazing it is that the Americans stream their crits. 
and show their crits. Show me your crit, baby. And <laughs> so I was kind of slightly gutted that they couldn't show us this crit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, I think that's a very, very fair point, um, particularly when, as you say, there are a lot of logistical advantages to crits in terms of, you know, fixed cores, able to cover it with, you know, some basic cameras. And and we've literally seen, you know, some some really great races like Vagorda, you know, go through that literal process of starting with a fixed camera and, and building up better coverage from there. Like, you know, it's not even like they needed necessarily to have cameras at every corner, but, you know. Yeah, so- and when you've got six corners with long, long straights, it's yeah. perfect anyway. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. Um, okay, if you were going to bet beforehand, yeah, who so would if you, you have, bet on? Yeah, if you were going to have a long, flat straight into a finish line at a race with... with <laughs> flat crits. With... <laughs> Kirsten Veeld in it like would you like like you know except that obviously you've got to earn your paycheck and your sponsors need representation would you even bother turning up like <laughs> yeah Kirsten Kirsten Veeld won it in in basically typical Kirsten Veeld form with Lisa Brunauer second Mariana Voss third and Corin Rivera fourth and and it's a bit gutting for Rivera because it would have been that that would have that would have been a nice fairy tale you know the best sprinter the best crit rider yeah. in the states but sadly Kirsten Veeld Kirsten Veeld she's very 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 hard to beat so there are certain courses where yeah like yeah. you say you just you you know people will try but you know you've got to be it, it was i mean it was basically kirsten crossing and and like a hundred other people drafting off her to try and hold on to their position on gc so uh, yeah and yeah. um, but Me- yeah but with megan guarnier up in the top five she won it uh, easily megan guarnier first in gc uh, kristen armstrong second evelyn stevens of bowls of bowls dolman's third on gc so i am super happy for guarnier she worked so hard for i mean in a way it's slightly boring bowls you know what are we on we're on the eighth um, world <laughs> tour race of bowls of one six but you know but but guarnier well, has been such a key part of her teammates wins yeah and, and such a great team player well, and the other part of it for me that I think is actually really interesting is that um, Guarnier has, as a result of this, moved into the the overall lead in the World Tour standings for the moment, um, which is, you know, yeah, okay, so we've got the narrative of Bowles always winning, but it's also interesting to see then Guarnier in that position, um, basically, um, you know, Lizzie Armitstead was there for a little while, and, um, and who else held it in between? I'm trying to remember. Um, Bloody hell. Probably Chantal Black. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm guessing. I mean, Chantal Black won two rounds of the two, three mm, rounds of the um, world. <laughs> I can't even remember. It's been so long. No, hang on. No, so we had we had what what what? This was the eighth round of um, the world tour. Um, we started off. It went Armitstead on Strade, Guarnier on Drenta, Armitstead on Binder. Um, oh, Guarnier on then Armitstead on. On Flanders, Guarnier on Webelgem. Um, yeah. Sorry, Black, Black, Black. Anyway, yeah. I'm, so, I'm gonna... well, Black was second for a long time. Anyway, so um, the standings now: uh, Megan first, Emma Johansson second, Lizzie third, Chantal Black fourth, and Anna van der Breger, uh holding steady in fifth. So those top four slots sort of swapped around. But you know, like that's kind of cool too, and showing how the the world tour is working. So you know. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's just I don't know. For me, it's just part of what's fun about it. Mm, mm. And it was, and I like you know I like it that we don't have all the big names and all the big riders, um, at all the big races. I think it's I think that's great. I think it makes it better. Uh, we did have other races. We had the Swiss Ever GP Ham Cham Hagendorn over in Switzerland, which is a day race, and that was won by Lotte Lapisto of um, Savello Bigler. Always important for Savello Bigler to win in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> With Bigler being a Swiss team, ahead of Roxanne Fournier riding for the national French team, and Sarah Roy of Orica AIS um, there in third, Pascal Julian fourth, Ashley Moomin Passio in fifth, and that'd been a very hilly race that had ended well, not that hilly, sorry, they said it was, but it ended in a bunch of sprints, so... We were supposed to have two other races last weekend. One was supposed to be the Velothon Wales, which was supposed to be a standalone, amazing race, blah, 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 wonderful course, very close to me. I should have been cheering for it. It got cancelled. And we're also supposed to be having the Tour... Well, I mean, it never... Really, I mean, yeah. And then we're also supposed to have the Tour Tour d'Occitanie, which was a new French stage race, um, five, six stages long, um, in the Occitane region of France. And that was cancelled a week before was um supposed to happen oh wow um really really shitty that is super shitty and i mean 
look, I know it's not completely unprecedented, but we, we have discussed previously the kind of um, chaos that that can do to teams who, not just in terms of the immediacy of, you know, um, having travel plans and, and stuff disrupted, but like budgetary things too, you know, like it, like teams run on very tight budgets. And so if they've um, been, you know, sitting at a point where, I don't know, they've booked flights for riders and, and things like yeah. that, like they've got expenses that they've put out that they can't necessarily get back with a late cancellation like that. That's really, really brutal. And especially when you had teams coming over there from, I mean, look, one of the things about these, um, <laughs> these uh, small, uh, these small races is you end up with teams like in the Finnish race. You had a team from Uganda. And this one you have a team from Hong Kong. Yeah. So it's it's all. Um, yeah. Well, and it impacts on those sort of efforts to globalize the sport and and involve teams from other places. So. Um, yeah, like the negative effects are actually quite far reaching potentially. And I mean, I get from a organizational standpoint that it's hard to control those things. Um, but it's, it's an area that I, I have felt for a long time. The UCI needs to do a better job in ensuring that races that they approve for the calendar actually do go ahead. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, this is the thing is like, I, it could have, we still don't know why it hasn't happened. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those weird things where you're sitting there going, well, why, what, what, what was it that, that didn't, that made this, that this race not happen? And why don't we know about it? But also that doesn't, because we want to be able to know about it so that we can stop it happening in the future. Because I, I don't, I just don't like it that it's, it's, it does this all the time. Like we, the UCI does this all the time. We're going to have races that are cancelled and it makes it hard. And it's also harder for other races because maybe the Finnish race would have had better teams and better, you know, better teams going. Maybe it's the Swiss, Swiss GP would have had stronger teams going, you know, if they weren't all thinking, oh, well, no, you know, I'm going to do Velothon because I'm a British team and I'm going to do L'Occitanie because, um, you know, because, because I, because it's a stage race, you know? Yeah. Anyway, it's a shame it's always French races, but it is what it is. Um, I yeah. guess, I mean, I next mean, time next time a race wants to start in France, you're just going to have teams going, <laughs> yeah, right, you're not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and that's the other part of it, I guess. The, the slightly less tangible impact, though, is that it means that next time someone tries to organise a race like this, there are a lot fewer teams who are going to be willing to take the gamble and make it part of their race schedule. And, yeah. you know... Uh, that's that's the other impact of, you know that again i think the uci really needs to take seriously in managing their calendar is you know if if we endorse races and approve races and they don't happen we're undermining the value of our own calendar so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so i mean depressing 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 but uh, i mean i yeah i'm a yeah. cynic about new races and it's i mean on the other hand we've got tons and tons of amazing new races like you know take the aviva women's tour the friend you know the friends life women's tour when well, it kind of first you know, came off look, the ground yeah yeah exactly when it first came off the ground i was gonna say i don't think now even though it's only its third year you know we we can even really call it a new race anymore i think it's proven that it's here to stay and it's going to go from strength to strength yeah, or the women's Strade, or you know, yeah. or the, or the, or the, you know, all sorts of races, you know, all sorts of races that's and, in, that, that's in you. I mean, the women's Tour of Norway has only been gone to, gone to run to yeah, one twice. Exactly, and 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 this is part of why I get so insistent that it can be done because yeah. there are plenty of examples of races and race organisers who do it, you know, and and that's the thing. I I I. I understand that it is difficult that it is challenging that it can be expensive you know but that doesn't change the simple fact that it can be done properly and mm -hmm. i believe that the insistence particularly from the administrative body's point of view has to be here's what it takes to do it properly yeah 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 why did the benet ladies tour or the ladies tour of norway or the friends life women's tour what was the difference even from the start from yeah. their application what 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 did they provide that made that made us yeah. confident it would go ahead and what did these guys provide that in i mean obviously hindsight is 50 50 but in retrospect yeah. What was the what was what was you know were we seeing seeing warning signs that exactly. yeah and it's not just and, on the UCI it's on and, the national federations. Well, yeah, but but also as you say, not just then identifying those differences, but then also going you know to me the next step is okay as the administrative body and particularly if you're a national fed, um, you know what is it that we can do to help ensure that we've got all those pieces in place. Like, you know, there are contributions to be made at every level in order to get a race successfully off the ground. 
Um, You know, and I don't want to pretend that it's easy. You know, there's a big difference between simple and easy. And it's simple in the sense that it's not complicated. But it isn't, I don't want to make the mistake of implying that it's easy. You know, it's hard to do. But the point being that it it, it is very doable. So why are we not creating um, clear structures and standards and templates of how to do this oh and don't you i mean i would love to get my hands on the uci records and see and just to go back and look at and look at when they were when they were having these applications put in for races to be uci i would absolutely love i would do it for free just to look at it and say look here are here are good signs here are bad signs you know what was it that velathon was saying i mean velathon was was dubious anyway it's it's apparently do it's a national thing where it makes lots lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money doing sportives and and the road races are there to um to add uh to add um how to put it glory kudos right, yeah yeah to the sportives because right. you know the sportives is a big big massive money making market and apparently yeah. they've like been cutting their races men's and women's all over you know all sort of kinds of races they say will go ahead don't go ahead and it's not helped by the fact that quite a lot of local politicians in, in south wales think that it's the devil's own work that a race happens on oh my god for one day a week this race happens and it, it's it's a travesty <laughs> but you know that, that sounds, wales that- <laughs> that sounds oddly specific. I I get the no. Feeling. There was one. Poli- I, yeah, I, I was going to say. I get the feeling you were picturing a specific person, though. Like... I really certainly was. Um, <laughs> was. This pub was complaining that they're going to go out of business because of being closed one day. One day for the year. It's like, yeah, I don't think that's yeah, true. But... Um, <laughs> and honestly, if you're worried about that, then all I can say is offer to pay for the accommodation of five Australians for three days. <laughs> We know this great guest house where they could stay. <laughs> you'll you'll make back what you would have lost in that day easily. Yeah. So so um, there's been some amazing racing. We had the Paracycling Road World Cup in Ostend in Belgium, which yep. was um, really good racing and to, to, too many too many results. And some some results were kind of like exactly as you'd expect them. For example, Carol Cook, the Aussie tricyclist, um, won the ITT and the road race. But they have the thing about the Road World cups is you have hand cycling uh tricycles uh you know alongside the alongside your tandems and your road bikes so it's it's like a really big big event and no tv sadly but there are photo galleries and it was just great really good really good racing really fun competitions and i think what it's kind of made me think is that the olympics are going to be a lot less a lot more the paralympics are going to be a lot more open than i thought they'd be yeah yeah oh it's exciting i love 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 the paralympics but the, yeah it's really you know it's great to see these these big these big races um right you know running running alongside but um congratulations to british cycling who well half congratulations ah. to british cycling who put a lot of really good videos you know mini videos from the course side photos from the course side up that was awesome they just kind of fell down on telling us who won because it wasn't brits wow well you know at, at least they're consistent so. Well, the one that I the one that I was really impressed by was in the um, tandem road race. It was won by the Irish pair of Katie George Dunleavy, piloted by Eva McChrystal, and I had got my money on the British the British pair of Laura Terman and piloted by Corin Hall, and I just was was convinced that we'd got it, and they hadn't. And it's like, oh, that makes it fun. That makes it much more you know, it's much more fun to me to go into the Paralympics, not you know, on an on an edge of who could win this. Yeah, Anyone. Yeah. Could this this is going to be exciting so yeah so that was um that was great and uh, we had the cross-country mountain bike world cup in albstad in germany which was uh oh god streamed live um amazing atmosphere bonkers fans just cheering their hearts and their heads off just at every point of the course really like uh, you know, I said that Cairns was interesting because they only had certain places where they allowed yep. fans on the course side because, you know, rainforest and stuff yep. and protected landscapes. Not like that in Albstad. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, Europe's been ruined for a long time. So, yeah, but it was yeah. um, one one in mad fine form by Annika Langvad. Um, Langvad won the last World Cup, cross-country World Cup of 2015, and she's now won the first two of 2016. Um, as well as, of course, the absolute Cape Epic, which she won with um, Ariane Kleinhans, um, epic, epic. I wonder if Langvad is going out too hard at this time of year or if it'll all fall down by Olympics or whether she's just on amazing form and she's going to keep this through to Rio. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, I guess that one that's one that I honestly um, 
I mean, you follow that sport much more closely than I do, so I couldn't begin to guess at you know what the what the peaks in training and goals there might be, like whether she's aiming for a bit of a break um, after one or two more rounds and and then through, or whether or whether it's one of those situations where, like you say, she's on such good form that actually she's just going with it to see how far it'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, interestingly, that Yolanda Neff wasn't racing. She pulled out at the last minute. And Pauline Fran Prevost, who was last year's Alpstad winner and mm. obviously the mountain bike world, I bet, was it last year or the year before, anyway, um, and the mountain bike world champ- champion, had been very, she's been sick. She's, I, they're not sure whether it's a virus or whether it's allergies, but she's been having breathing problems and she finished quite far down. She was quite far down early on. I think she might have fallen. Um, one rider who did fall was Swedish rider Jenny Risvets, who was doing really well until she kind of her her just wheel just went out from underneath her on a slippery part, uh. and her bike she lost her bike she fell off her bike just went out her bike took out a photographer course side which I'll wow. never I'll never stop getting bored of that, um, <laughs> and yeah Risvets finished um, with blood dripping down her leg but finished second. Wow! Wow! Um, had to chase back past a load of people, finished second. And Risfeds is another rider who's just out of under 23s. Now mean, we saw on the upside. Still... I was just going to say, on the upside, like that's amazing. But on the downside, like how much more must that piss you off where you, you just know, like if you managed to come second after that, if you hadn't had that happen in the first place? Yeah, I mean, so, so interesting. Like, yeah. so interesting. She's still only 22. She's still under, oh, maybe, maybe, yeah, she's still 22. She she still could be riding the under 23 categories. And of course, we had Yolanda Neff and um, Pauline Fran Provoke. Well, they were in the under 22 categories dominating the elite course. And now we've got Jenny Risveds. So it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be. It's yeah, hurrah for hurrah for young Swedes, hurrah for young <laughs> Swedes, um, taking out photographers and and hurrah for the mountain bike. It's going to be, it's just fun. I'm 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 excited. And the next mountain bike World Cup is on um, the 29th of March. It's in La Bresse. Uh, uh, I don't think so. Pretty 29th sure. of May. Yeah, that sounds more like it. Uh, it's going to be streamed live. This weekend is full of live stream TV because we've got the USA Pro uh, Road Race Champion yep. um, stream championship yep. sort of streamed on Saturday, the road race. And then we've got the uh, cross-country mountain bike streamed um, on Sunday. And then the Winston-Salem Classic could be streamed live too. We've got no idea. Probably will be given how those things tend to run. But yeah, yeah. we'll see. Um, yeah, so there's there's heaps going on. Um, just as a, a bit of a, I guess, feel good, it's it's a, a week older than it was going to be, um, but I just wanted to share a bit of a story about um, the tour of Margaret River here in Western Australia, which um, is um, uh, one of the biggest non-NRS races in Australia, um, particularly for women. Um, yeah. And in 2016, the, the race organisers had just released um, uh, a week and a bit ago um, the event briefing for this year and had um, decided that there would be no distinction between pro, amateur, male or female riders. So they were doing away with the women's category. Now, as, oh. as you may appreciate, um, uh, you may also not. Um, oh how to explain this um the the west coast of western australia is so far away from australia uh from from sydney from the east coast of australia that it would be like flying from london to um kazakhstan sort of you know like like it's a long way away so my point being that particularly for um women from Western Australia who want to race competitively against other women, um, it's that becomes a really, really important race because it's the only race where there's a there was a dedicated women's category. Mm. Um, and and, you know, there is no um other opportunity there. So um I, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Niche Living Women's Cycling Initiative and Erin Keneally, um, who quickly organized uh a response to that they contacted cycling australia west cycle and cycle sport western australia as well as the race organizers um to 
one, lodge their protest and, and two, ask, you know, for the reasoning behind the decision and, and explanation and, and, you know, with a view to working out what could be done about it. And, mm. um, and happily enough, um, just a couple of days later, um, the announcement was made that that decision had been changed and that they were going to reinstate the women's category. Um, which, you know, I just wanted to mention just because it is one of those things that sometimes it's easier to forget that the, the value of your local organizations, whether it's a, a club that is welcoming to women or whether it's, uh, you know, something like Niche Living or, you know, several of the various other grassroots organizations for women's writing that we discuss from time to time. Um, these organizations are important because they help in these situations and so and and it's nice to have a story about a time where you know proactive intervention from them was successful so Mm. congrats and um you know i hope that uh, this year is a a very successful year yeah hurrah hurrah good news hurrah 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 so yeah so uh well so watch watch the racing this weekend great racing this weekend hurrah hurrah um and then yeah have this mini and then the weekend after we should have philly live yeah we've definitely got a belgian lotto cycling cup race live and that weekend has the downhill next round of the downhill mountain bike world cup in fort william which is like glorious and and we'll be you know easing our way back into a, a completely full racing schedule. And as it turns out, even when we've only got one main race to discuss, we can still talk for an hour. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think we could possibly embarrassingly talk for an hour. <laughs> um, but that's why people listen to us, I hope. Um, <laughs> the I, ones who haven't I, turned I, off in disgust. Yeah, I, I honestly try not to question it too much. <laughs> if you're still here, thank you. And um, as always, if you would like to to assist with uh, Sarah, does a lot of work for our site prowomencycling.com, um, and also uh, via her Twitter at underscore pigeons underscore um, and her womenscycling.tumblr.com to aggregate and provide information about women's racing and and that sort of thing. And and the vast majority of it is actually unpaid work. Uh, she's very grateful to her sponsors via Patreon, Women's Cycling. Uh, patreon.com slash women's cycling and if you would like to support her work please do go there and just contribute a a couple of bucks a couple of uh, pounds a month and um, and just help her to continue to provide so much uh, information to the rest of us because you know that's how we get to slowly convince race organizers to pay her a fortune We were just talking before we started about how we could how we could make our fortunes and what we do when it does happen. Mine is going to be running races. Yeah, mine's going to be whiskey related. Uh, yeah, not going to lie. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, people. And yeah, come we'll back talk to you again soon. Bye bye. Bye.